I don't think love can be defined in one way. Um, right. I, you know, here we go. Love is like porn. You know it when you see it. And wow, wow. <laughs> episode <laughs> title. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, listenership just went from here to me you know. or or increased we don't know <laughs> oh you never like, know wait, in the trump era it might forward? take us through I the roof Welcome to episode 92 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can, of course, catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, and yes, usually with a good brew in hand. One of those good brews might be a glass of wine from our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. Visual Wink, the YouTube viewers. Uh, Wink, W-I-N-C, features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. You can try them out at trywink.com slash ptlive. Get $20 off your first order and other savings. And even better, if you don't want to commit that much, you can try three bottles on us. All you do is cover tax and shipping. If your state allows wine to be shipped to your door, leave us a voicemail at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or if you don't got letters on your phone, 980-785-4830. Also, you could drop us an email, info at pubtheology.com. You can send us questions, comment on a previous discussion, tell us how much you like the show, don't like the show, what we should be doing differently or not. No helpers needed. We always love helpers. Um, Anyways, um, any of those things will qualify you to get those three bottles on us. Again, you just pay tax and shipping, and we'll draw a winner every month. Sweet. And do you want to join us for a live recording of our 100th episode? Join us at the Wild Goose Festival, July 12th through 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Our topic will be, drum roll please, is it time to go beyond faith? Finding life and meaning in these dark times. Um, there's a sunshiny rainbow that appears. There is right rainbow at the end. Time. Exactly. <laughs> the Wild Goose is a gathering of progressive spiritual thought leaders, artists, and activists centered on spirit, justice, music, and art. And finally, get your tickets if you haven't today at wildgoosefestival.org. Use the code GOOSECAST18 in all caps for 25% off. That's O O S E C A S T one eight. Yes, I did. I spelled it out. That was nice. You're welcome. Well, that <laughs> was nice. Well done. Well done. And of course, you can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT Live. See that some of you have jumped in already today. And today we'll discuss uh, love. Is it ever appropriate to not act in love? Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. And 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. 
And Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell says, just for today, I choose to come from love. So we'll talk about what defines whether an act is loving or not. If there are ever times where it's maybe love isn't what's called for. We'll discuss. And let's not forget, let's not forget what St. Tina Turner said. What's love got to do with it? Oh, oh, nice. So, so what are uh, you drinking? O.E.? Oh, well. <laughs> Wait. Are we doing this? Are we really going there? Do I have to do? Are we going for nicknames? Is that what's happening? No, no. no. Actually, I have never had a nickname because it's really hard to make like what Shan non. Like, there's no. Right, there we go. So people so, have extended it. Like so Shan just, and on and on. If you're just listening to the audio, it'd be a good time to go check out the face, uh, the YouTube video feed because we had a fun discussion where we apparently uh um my childhood nickname we did um and uh talked a little bit about the met gala and the fashion and how i was a little disturbed by the theme but yes go check out the video what i am drinking from our sponsor wink wine in a can this is called lusa it is a rose wine from uh california 2016 i didn't even know they sold wines in can but apparently they do. So. I know they sell them in like little glasses now, like little plastic glasses and you peel the top off. Have you seen those? Really? No. Yeah, they're, they come in like a tube and they're like four four plastic, thick plastic cups and you just oh, like, goodness. so when you go to a festival with no glass, uh-huh. you just pull the top off and you got your own little wine glass. Yeah. But I didn't know it came in a can. I am drinking a Trogues Independent Brewing Troganator. Um, with Troganator. Yeah, nice. it's, it's, it's a strong one. So I'm going to warn, warn us. Oh, it's going to be a good show then. <laughs> it is. Um, there's not a lot of explanation except there's a long explanation um, about monks and fasting and how they made double box to, um, to, to basically to eat. <laughs> That's their okay. argument. Can, uh, I, can I adopt Troganator as my nickname instead of Ogie? Sure. Go with Troganator. Ooh, okay. that could work. Troganator. There we go. So, yeah. Nice. And I am drinking uh, from Oddside Ales, the Bean Flicker. It's a blonde ale with coffee added. It is uh, a satisfying stimulation of sessionable self-exploration. <laughs> is it now? <laughs> that, that feels a little optimistic. Do I need to leave you alone with your bear from one? I feel like I'm feeling that's <laughs> Some- that's a, I'm going to have some quiet time with my beer. <laughs> oh my exactly. I'll fill you guys in later. <laughs> By the way, this rosé, like it's, it's a little carbonated. It's sparkly. I don't think I've ever had sparkly carbonated. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It yeah. I mean, it would good. have to be in the can. Like it would, it would. Yeah. I suppose it tastes good. It's just, yeah, this is a new experience. A little bubbly. A little bubbly. A little bubbly for the show. Well, they make rosé uh, champagnes. That's true. They didn't maybe. say that's what this is, but maybe, maybe. it's what is. Who knows? Who knows? So, wine in a can. Wine in a I can. I feel like there should be a tagline. Like, wine in a can. It's pale pink with a light spritz on the palate. <laughs> okay. the spritz the spritz is the key there. <laughs> spritz gives you that warning that it's going to be carbonated. Troganator. I'm shutting down the dirty part of my brain right now. <laughs> Troganator. And you haven't even drank the heavy stuff yet. Like wow. you're holding it in your hand. Oh no. I, I, I am a 12 year old boy through and through. <laughs> okay then. 
Let's get on with the show. (laughs) All right. Well, when someone is sharing about a personal event, uh, such as wine in a can, (laughs) is it ever appropriate to respond, the exact same thing happened to me? If you read my response uh, when Brian tweeted tweeted this out earlier, it was very succinct to the point. Uh, Nope, it is not appropriate. Just shut up and listen. Never appropriate. But have you done it? Oh my god, oh. I do it all the time. That's like I hate <laughs> it, and I, I do it all the time. I agree. Like I did it. I I did it not too long ago, and I'm still thinking about it from like two weeks ago, where uh, I basically because yeah. it's a one up. It's a one up thing, right? Like it's often a, right. Often, you sometimes you're trying it. to identify with. Yeah, somebody said it well on the Facebook page of like, I don't get mad because I understand they're trying to be empathetic, and I'm like, yes. yes. Right. Like you do it out of empathy, you do it out of solidarity, but it it just never comes across that way. I think you could add to this, and I think it's the same the same vein of like I know. Um, so the same thing happened to me. Like I know exactly how you feel. Um, yeah. You know. I think I think, um, and to answer Brian's question, yes, I've done it too. I don't I. For some reason, I remember not to do it in a professional context, mm. like when I'm doing spiritual counsel with someone. But if it's <laughs> yeah, a friend, that's good. <laughs> as a friend or family member, the thought never occurs to me to exactly. have the same approach. Yeah. But I'm getting better at that. And I think it's okay if the person asks. So the person's telling you what happened, and then they say, Has anything like that ever happened to you? If they ask, yes, I say go answer. Then it's then it's okay. But but to your point, you, you, you're trying to be empathetic. But I think often what happens is if someone's telling you a story and you immediately start thinking, yeah, that happened to me, you tend to stop listening and all you're doing is waiting for your turn to tell your version of what happened to you. Yes. So even though you're trying to be empathetic, you're really not because you, you're not fully present and listening with them. So it's, it's a bit of a toss up, but it's what we naturally do. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, Danielle on Facebook says, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had this uh, situation happen here where there was uh, police engagement with uh, a few young people, people of color. And, uh, and there was a real concern that excessive force was used. And the question around our community was, you know, is this, the police were saying this is standard procedure um, and people were wondering, well, is that standard procedure? What did race play a factor? Did that make it worse? Did that help escalate things? Even if they didn't consciously know that the officers um, and a white friend wrote something on Facebook, like the exact same thing happened to me. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, are you insane? So, no, it didn't because A, you're white. So anything that happens to a person of color is not the exact same thing that happens to you because you're white. And also there's so many other different circumstances in any engagement with the police that it's just not, it, it'd be fine to say, I too had an experience with police where I felt excessive force was used and not justified, which is what he was trying to say. Right, right. right. But uh, it just- But to use that phrase- no, you know, Brian, when you started that, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. That's a place where it is really helpful, right? So if you're having a forum on 
whether or not excessive, the policy is excessive force. And you have all these people coming up telling the same story. Right. Like all these people of color coming up telling the same story. That's a place where that is appropriate. Yeah. Like, so I, you know, I was sitting there like, oh, then there is a place where that's appropriate, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I would say that the rule should be that we don't use that phrase yeah. Where we say something like something similar happened to me, something, you know, yeah. or, or just not right. Like, or say, here's, here's my experience, which I think relates or is very similar or right. whatever. I, mean, I, right. I think there's something to solidarity. I mean, for sure. Right. Well, like, of course. Yes. You, like um, you are not alone in this, but why can't we say you're not alone in this? You know, like there's, so, Ogan, sorry, just to your point, like I do the same thing you do. Like I pastorally, I have a role and I know my role. Mm-hmm. And then I go to friends or family and I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. and then I'm like, oh, pastoral <laughs> response, Shannon. Pastoral response. Listen, like, we're off the clock. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it doesn't give me permission to swing all the way in the other direction. <laughs> that, filter, that filter gets turned right off. It, it does. It's like. <laughs> But see, I no. So in principle, I agree with you. But I think when part of our job is to um, um, what subdue, like put a lid on our natural human response, when we're off the clock, it's like I don't have to try so hard to yeah. put the filter up, and or and and we do it with our closest friends and family because they they know us beyond the role that we play. And I'm not using that as an excuse. But I'm just saying, this is why it happens with us. We're we're human too, and you know when you gotta when your job means and and this happens in a lot of other jobs. It's not limited to a clergy job. People generally just can't say what's on their mind in right. their workplace all the time. It's just, you but know, there so. is a there's a compassion fatigue that comes from helping professions. Yes, right. That that. Compassion. You said that you said that so much more intelligently than what I was trying to say. That's in two words. She summed it up. That's exactly yeah. what I was. That, that, that way, exact heard, same thing happened to me. <laughs> when I first learned that phrase, I was like clamored onto it. I was like, "Oh, finally, there's some like there's there's a diagnosable problem I have." <laughs> yes. But you know, there there yes, we all play a role at every job that we have, right? But when you're in a helping profession, compassion fatigue is a real thing. And if you don't take care of it, then right. you really do just shut that down. Um, and actually, so, so in our house, and this kind of gets to our topic, but like in our house, the question that we ask is, is this the loving response? So it's not about, is this compassionate? Is this the most empathetic? Re- it is like, is this the loving response? Is this how love responds? And one upping is never how love responds, right? Like uh, right. it's caring and holding and listening and, you know, yeah, and shutting up sometimes. Yeah. And so I think there's that, that balance, you know, as you said, if it's from the spirit of one upping and, Ooh, I can't wait till I get to share mine. And I'm going to add a little layer to, you know, to sort of show how how much more whatever my experience was that that's the thing that should be subdued but then as you also noted the solidarity piece hey this thing happened to me too and this is a real thing in our community that needs to be addressed right that's entirely appropriate when framed in that spirit i think 
And we kind of had an issue in our church um, not too long ago where um, we, we had to ask a congregant to um, modify his behavior or not return. And he didn't modify his behavior. So we asked him not to return. But this was about um, um, being inappropriate in his discussion and an approach to women. And he basically saw our church as his dating pool and yeah. it was going well. But the thing is, if more people had had shared their stories with each other and with, you know, me, it could have been something we addressed much earlier. Right. But but so it was it was both disturbing and relieving in a sense when um when I shared with the congregation this is the decision that we made how many people mm-hmm. came forward and then said, Oh, I had this interaction as well. Kind of, so, I mean, it was, it was in a sense given, you know, given permission to, to speak, mm-hmm. not even given permission, but, but, but making sure that they realized there that this was, I mean, it was a whole me to movement. It was a church to movement moment, you know, in, in, in many ways, shape or form. Right. But so in a sense, to your point, Brian, when we can get the ball rolling and there's solidarity, then I think it's, it's, it, it lends itself to support people who may feel um, disenfranchised, who may feel uncomfortable all the way to abuse in some way. It's good to know when you're, that you're not alone. Absolutely. So middle ground it somewhere. Middle ground it. <laughs> middle ground it. <laughs> Middle ground it. So, uh, and Shannon noted one of the motivators in how we respond to people ought to be love. And so I'm going to read this quote uh, that we have from Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell, who, as I understand it, is a unity minister. She and a said, damn fine one. <laughs> there we go. And a <laughs> damn fine one. She said, uh, just for today, I choose to come from love, whether it's a decision I have to make or a conversation I have to hold or an action I have to take, I will choose to come from love. So wondering um, what that intention looks like for you, what it looks like to come from love, and what level are we able to choose that? I I think it's our most natural... um, I think it's actually the most natural self like choosing Mm. love comes from the, um, the, the oldest, deepest part of us, if that makes any sense. Um, so, you know, first John, God is love and everything that is of love of God is of love and everyone who feels love is of God and everything, you know, like they're, they're just, um, the two, they're the same. You can't be separated from that. And, but I, I totally agree that it's a choice to live out of that place. Like it's a, there's a, maybe not like choice is a fine word, but like, I always look at it as an intentionality. Um, like that's what I want. I want other people to treat me with love. I want to treat other people with love. I want to teach my children how to, come from a place of love. Um, and that's not only like, what would I want in this situation, but like what is best for them in this situation? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, 
I've, I'm always saying if it is not the voice of love, it is not the voice of God, right? And the voice of love isn't like, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Right. That's the difference, right? It's not, right. love isn't whatever, like, whatever you want. It's, it's I mean, it's... Right. It's yeah. the best... I'm trying to think of another word beside loving, right? <laughs> it's the best, most loving thing for you. Um, it's the difficult thing sometimes. It's the harsh word sometimes. Not done in a harsh way. Like, this is the problem with tough love, right? That phrase, tough love. Like, yeah. Um, so, so my it's, mom it's the really... thing needed for you to be your fullest self. Right. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Ogan. Sorry. I was going to say, so when my mom beat me, that was coming from a place of love. I mean, that's the problem, right? Like, I'm doing this because I love you. Yes, it was a problem. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Like, Still working on that with my therapist. I mean, I don't think violence is, I don't think violence is ever loving. I don't. Right. No, Mm. that, no, it was, yes, my mom loved me. Um, It was just what I like to call um, poor, poor parent in practice. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would bet that she, part of her felt like, this is how I best raise my child and I love my child. So in her mind, the, even the intent may have been love and I've been the recipient of, and we all have of things people say, well, I'm only doing that because I love you. Like I've been told, you know, that I'm on the wrong road with God and my theology is, you know, but I'm told those things from a place of love, but, this is a great in, intention event. and reality are not always in <laughs> symmetry. This is a great uh, Avengers Infinity War moment. Have you seen the movie yet, Brian? No. Oh, oh have, have I seen any Marvel movies? Really? Then we can't talk about this now. Wow. Okay. Are you going to see it? You know what? That holds so little appeal to me. I, okay. Uh, but Ogan, I think I know where you're going. <laughs> and, and, and I think Gamora should get her own origin story because of that. So maybe spoil. Okay, so maybe spoiler alert if you're listening and and well, oh, I, you I don't know you're gonna, you're gonna make everyone sad. No, no, no I think no. I can do it without a spoiler because in Guardians, if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, I have, oh, I have seen that. Okay, so Gamora, who's um, Zoe, Zoe, she's, she's the green one. She's the green one with the purple hair. <laughs> See, I do know some things. <laughs> but she was. <laughs> yeah, she's the green one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh, Brian. He's so pretty, though. I mean, really. <laughs> he's, he's got that going for him, and we say this from love. Oh, so I mean, this gosh. is like so. Anyway, whether whether or not you've seen Infinity War, you you if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora and Nebula also they're the children of Thanos. Yes, and they were abducted. They were taught to fight each other. They were taught to blah blah blah, and and. I don't think it's a spoiler to say in Infinity War, you um, get this story of 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 father, a really really unhealthy father daughter relationship, yes. right? Right. Uh, one where there was an abusive father on all levels. Right. And um, you know, it almost reminds me. So let's let's put it this way: when Pharaoh's daughter picks Moses up out of the basket. And then he is raised alongside Pharaoh's son. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine that this is the way it goes for them, for, for Moses, right? Right, because we gotta we gotta admit Moses was brought up to hate Jews. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just face it, the Jews were slaves. 
and Moses is, was brought up to believe, even though I would assume he looks different, he was brought up to believe he was one of the Egyptian rulers and the right. Egyptians were, I'm uh, sorry, the Jews were slaves. Right. So he was brought up to hate his own kind. Right. And I, and I think that the abuse that happens, um, whether, so one way to argue, cause we'll never know is that Pharaoh treated Moses badly. So there's, there could be that, right? Um, because he was a Jew, because he was a slave from a slave, you know, family. Right. Um, the other argument could be that he treated him very similar and that was violence against him be- while doing all of these terrible things to his people. Right. So there's, there's violence on either side of, of that. Um, but if you ask Pharaoh, Pharaoh would say, I loved my two sons. Right. Okay, so 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 I think the crux of all of this is how do we define love? Love, love. I mean, it's it is a very broad term, and I and I and I think we should at some point kind of like talk about how people define that and mm-hmm. understand it and 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 act it out because it's a it's a spectrum that goes all the way to obsession yeah. on, on 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 unhealthy obsession at one end, and then the you know, the other end might be, I don't know, neglect in a weird way. We can talk well, about there, I mean, there are people with atonement theories that that love was violence, right? That's right. That, That's a that perfect example. God required violence on the cross to show how much God loves us. And I, I'm, I don't, and that's bullshit to me. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think God required the violence. I think that the violence was a, a the nature of humanity and their scapegoat was Jesus. And that's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like to, sure. so John 15 was the um, lectionary for this past week. And in John 15, John gives this very different atonement theory than the, the blood was given for your sin. Right. And that, that it, the blood is the atonement. The sacrifice was what was needed. And John gives this, he trades in the cross and the empty tomb for this water basin and this towel, right? And this service to one another and love one another as I have loved you. Like, this is the greatest command. This is the best thing you can ever do. And and that that the cross in this very human um terrible act um that the resurrection of god's love was the resurrection was an act of love to say you know violence doesn't have the last word like there is so much beyond that that is not of me this is what i am about yeah yeah and how much um how much damage has a theology in which love requires violence how much damage has that had you know, in people of power and justifying their own actions. Well, I'm doing this for the greater good or because I really love you, whether that's within a, you know, uh, a family relationship or a communal or even national levels where it's like, Hey, God uses violence. So. Right. Let's, let's not, you know, to take it back to parenting, let's not forget that oft quote verse as Christian parents for beating their kids, spare the rod and spoil the child. For sure. (laughs) For sure. But how, I mean, so, okay, uh, uh, let me get real 101 here, right? Like, <laughs> um, I think my daughter was about 
eight months old, the first time that my stress was so high and it clashed with her having a bad day, mm-hmm. right? And that had really had nothing to do with her, right? right. But in that moment, I was like, I, I just had this moment of physicality of rage. Yeah. Sure. Right? And, and, and I, I'm sorry. If you're a parent and you haven't felt that way, you're lying. I'm just, I, oh, yeah. I love my child beyond anything. I love all of my children. But that moment happens. Right. And yes. you, this is where love is a choice. You make a choice to walk away. Yes. You make it like they're screaming on the floor, crying, they're doing whatever, and your stress is so high. And you know that if you engage with that child, you're going to squeeze too hard. It will not go well. It will not go it well, not, right? It will not go well. My, my daughter does not remember how many moments she's had in rooms by herself crying because I had to walk outside. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because love gives a timeout. <laughs> right. Yeah. Love right. exactly gives an adult a timeout, right? That's right. The non-loving choice responds out of that stress, out of that fear, out of whatever it is, right? right? I like, you know, I walk through grocery stores and see the toddler flailing about and whatever, and I watch all these people roll their eyes, and I say a prayer for that parent. Like <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Right? Like God just sustain them in this moment. They they are doing the right thing. They are doing the loving thing, right? Right. by allowing their child to scream and to flail on the floor and just to give themselves a moment and not respond out of that, like that visceral gut reaction. Plus it's and, practical. The, the kid's going to wear himself out. I mean, seriously, like I, I'll <laughs> yeah. never forget the worst, like the best thing my pediatrician ever said to me was Shannon, the worst thing she'll do is she'll hold her breath and she'll pass out and she'll start breathing. <laughs> and it'll be fine. <laughs> and I was like, Thank you for that. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. If my pediatrician said that, I might be looking for a new pediatrician. No, because I was like, well, you know, what happens if she like threatens to hold her breath? And she goes, yeah, she's not gonna, it's like, that's not gonna work. Yeah, exactly. Let, <laughs> let him do it. And again, she was, my pediatrician was trying to make the point of de-escalation. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. Like, this isn't the end of the world. And I do feel like parents, so parents that that physically hurt their children because that's what it is. They hurt their children. It is not because it's their own good. One, they were taught that it was for their own good and that's crap, right? We're just perpetuating violence. Yeah. And two, they, they just either they don't know that there's another option or they in that moment chose to respond from that terrible place within them. And you know what? Like there are, there are people that I will keep in confidentially that, that have said, I did it. Like, it just happened. My hand just went and I hit him and I, oh my God, like I feel terrible. I feel awful. Sure. I feel, and I'm like, you have to forgive yourself in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And you also learn that you're never going to do it yeah. again. There's you know? a difference between that's, those that's moments and a systematic parental approach of beating your kids. Exactly. Those are two different things. And you brought up two important things, which I think that speak to what love is. You mentioned fear and de-escalation. You yep. know, and for me, love is 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 the opposite of responding from fear. And fear is a very subtle thing. If I don't, you know, discipline my kid, if I don't do this, if I don't respond this way, here's all the imagined horror stories that could happen. I don't discipline my kid. Next thing I know, they're like robbing a bank. 
or you know dancing on a pole or something like right like right you, you can take this kind kind so but that's a fear response and love is not love is when you're not coming from that place and again what you said about de-escalation is so important um and uh and fear also is that thing that either escalates or refuses to let you s- have that inner dialogue of how can I de-escalate this? Right. Um, so, so you know, you, you've heard it mentioned before. The opposite of of love is fear, and I and I kind of sub- subscribe to that. And and people don't realize what a subtle thing fear can be that runs through our vein. And fear comes up again. Um, I, I don't know why I keep using the parent analogy, maybe because my kid's about to turn eighteen, but. <laughs> But seriously, but but the fear of the the imagine, as I always say, worry is a misuse of our power of imagination. When we worry about the outcome of our children, and at least the fear, and fear leads to the dark side. I mean, you know. And, and I do. It, How did you celebrate Star Wars Day? Fear leads to the dark side, <laughs> and 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 it it is, and the dark side is is a place that is attempting to be void of love. And come from love. So what you just, I mean, one of the things you just said too, was that um, when we respond out of our, when we respond out of our fear, we're often not, not only responding, like, if I don't do this, you're going to go down this path. Right. Right. But sometimes we're responding out of, if I don't do this, how's this going to reflect on me? Right. Right. So the parent mm-hmm. that gives in to the child in the middle of throwing a fit, in in the grocery store is because they don't want people looking at them like that right or judging them as bad parents right right and and again like this is this is all not part of i mean that is also fear responding out of this like what do people think of me what am i gonna blah blah, blah, like you know the this so the selflessness of love sometimes mean doing something that you don't want because it's the most loving thing to do. Right. Um, I'll give it a different example of, you know, when it became clear to me, um, I'm, I'm just the kind of person that like, I'll hold on to hope till the last possible, I mean, till the end, right? Like, I'm going to die holding on to hope. I mean, it just, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I like that. But when it came to my first marriage, um, it became very clear that the most loving thing to do yeah. is to let go. Right. right. And it's not what I wanted. It, it was, it was the loving and the graceful thing to do. Yeah. And so in, in those, and then I had to keep choosing love. Right. Right. Um, you know, the smear campaign or to not smear campaign, (laughs) like to keep, you know, there, it was constantly the, I want to do all of these things, which were, um, they weren't violent physically, but they were violent emotionally. Right. And, and holding that, I mean, holding it in a way that I did it appropriately with my therapist, with my friends, with my, you know, whatever, um, who knew me best, who I could call and, bitch and complain and like how he's the worst human being on the earth, which he's not, he's the father of my children and whatever else. And that's what I'll say publicly, but, <laughs> but, but to continually See, living, that's, that's love. 
<laughs> that is, is an love. act of love right there. <laughs> it is love. And it is like, I will co-parent with you and I will disagree with your decisions and I will hold my tongue as long as my kids are safe and et cetera. Right? Like yeah. that is, that is the loving response in, in those moments. Yeah. So I, I heard, uh, I heard a story the other day about, uh, a person who encounters a, uh, what appears to be a grandmother in the grocery store with, uh, her granddaughter and this, uh, granddaughter's in the cart and like pulling stuff off the shelves and just being, you know, being really difficult. Oh, we lost someone. No. Nope. And he's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until he's here. Oh, nope. or he'll, Ogie he'll, he'll left miss the moment. story. You can't just uh, Brian starts to tell a story and Ogan's like, "Oh, I'll see you guys later." Well, Ogan's uh, Brian. Brian's talking. <laughs> see, if, if you hadn't mentioned that, no one would have known. <laughs> close the door. I know, but I, you were not going to get um, what I was me, saying. The people so that I'm, watched the YouTube video or us on the New Thought Channel totally you know would have known. The exact same thing happened to me one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But, but I digress. All right, so. <laughs> Story is, uh, there was uh, a grandmother and her granddaughter in the grocery store, and this person observed that uh, this granddaughter was just kind of pulling stuff off of shelves and being kind of difficult and all of this, and and the grandmother was just kind of softly saying, uh, Natalie, you know, take a deep breath, and, and Natalie, be calm, and we're not going to be here that much longer, and, and the person ran into uh, this grandmother and her granddaughter a couple of times and just continually observed that just this sort of calm uh natalie be a good girl and and not not overly reacting like you might expect a parent to do and um and then ran into uh this woman and child in the parking lot and she and she said you know natalie is so lucky to have a grandmother like you and she's like i'm natalie this little devil is jennifer <laughs> nice nice Gen yes. Jennifer, Jennifer needs some Benadryl. <laughs> right. No, I, I, uh, I think that's great. <laughs> so anyway, I, it came to mind. I had to, had to share. But the a question is, is love always the right thing? Is it ever appropriate to not act in love? No, no. Love is always the right decision. And again, it's. Uh, like that, how we define what love, what love is and what love looks like. And we can, we can disagree about the nuances of it, but I think we can all agree if it's coming from love, no harm is being done to anyone. Um, right. Love is also kind of like, I think there's a win-win outcome yeah. in, 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 in all cases. I mean, uh, you know, Jesus was onto something, go figure. Jesus was onto something when he basically boil everything down to the two commandments, love God with your heart. And so love your neighbors to you love yourself. But the, the, the underlying message there is that last part, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. How much do we love ourselves? And there's a lot of self loathing, self shame yes. and all that going on that we project onto other people. Right. But I think when we can like address that, be self-aware enough to address that, Whenever we choose to come from a place of love, as in, you know, what is going to be the highest and best outcome for everyone here, including myself? Because if we love to the point where we are dis, if we love where to the point where we are suffering, then that's not true love. That's just bordering on 
like martyrdom and selfishness. Um, but but if we can find that outcome that 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 meets everyone's needs, it's always going to end well. But the problem is often we are like, how can I how can I do this thing without me suffering a loss? And as far and from the time we come from that approach, fear is involved. And and I think love is always a, a balance. I mean, we are we um Jesus command of like love as I have loved you is, is kind of an impossible thing. Mm. I mean, there's yes. Ogan's right. Like there has to be a balance of, of taking care and love of myself, of the people I'm responsible for, of my congregation and any one skewing in one direction is going to throw that off balance. Um, but, you know, sometimes love looks like, smothering sometimes loves looks like backing away um you know my my issue and my argument though continues to be like love never looks like shoving somebody against the wall right like if you're smothering them with a pillow right like (laughs) i mean (laughs) not that you know like i mean if you are even if somebody is um, and i've i've been there right like somebody's you're watching them self-destruct and you're trying to be there for them. And you're trying to continue to be that, like you're not alone and we love you. And, and they just can't hear it. I mean, the response is never to, you know, smack them around. It's just, it's, it's not you. you, The persistence is what is there. The, Mm. you know, and this is, I mean, I think this is what Jesus showed over and over again. Like, the disciples never fully got it. They never fully got like how much Jesus loved them and what that love looked like. And he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And even in the end was like, I'm here, I'm here for you. You know, I, and well, I'm, I think part of that also could have been their, you know, never getting it, but also misinterpretation of why he was there in the first place, because you know, again, context is everything and they're viewing everyone's rise to popularity at that time as, is this the person who's going to liberate us from the Roman oppression kind of view? So there was always that, that lens through which everyone was seeing anyone who would get to that place of mass popularity. Um, And then it turns out he wasn't about that at all, or he failed at being about that. Uh, you know, one could argue either way. So then no wonder they were confused. No wonder they didn't get it. No wonder it took them some time to go, oh, wait, this wasn't about politics after all. Mm. That kind of deal. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, I think that's an interesting point. We mm. often talk about like how the Messiah in the Old Testament was a, a political ruler, right? Right. And um, I I go back to the fact that like, before Israel had a, a king and had a, a you know, a, a monarchy system, God really debated about whether or not to give Israel yeah. that, right? Like, right. like a, can you handle this? And, and I think the fear, like if I, if I process it in some way, like the fear in that was you will turn ruling into love you will you will see that rules being declared as love and i think that like that's and then the messiah 
the, the political Messiah grew out of that. This is what love is. It's freeing yeah. us from this, this army that rushes in and frees us from political oppression. Don't get me wrong. Being freed from oppression is love. But Jesus came along in this very different way that said, you can do this. Right. You don't yeah. need me to be this ruler that cuts people's heads off in order to do this. Now, let's also not forget to bring it full circle back to Moses. Um, what was that? What was the last plague that um, caused their liberation? The firstborn. Uh, death yeah, of the firstborn. Lots, lots of death. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. And, I, and again, how, like how loving was a couple God episodes then? ago, I have issue with that. <laughs> yeah. How loving was God then? <laughs> right. I have yeah. issue with that. But. Um, so love can be the motivation, but it's not always executed, you know, in a loving manner. Pun intended. Right. Oh, look at you. Oops. No, look at you. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> I mean, I don't, and, and again, I don't, I don't think love can be defined in one way. Um, right. I, you know, here we go. Love is like porn. You know it when you see it. And wow. <laughs> wow. Episode <laughs> title? <laughs> I don't Dyer's think so. I don't episode. think so. <laughs> 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 and uh, listenership just went from here to me you know. <laughs> or or increased we don't know <laughs> oh you but never like, know wait, in the trump era it might before? take us through the roof what what is the abv on that beverage again <laughs> yeah. um 8.2 and it is there you not, go wow. um <laughs> but yeah, you no. but you know you you joke but you make a good point we know we don't the, 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 there's not a factual checklist we know yeah. when we are loving someone or situation and we know when we are being loved by and that and and again that's not the fuzzy feeling that's the wow you just said something really hard to me because you love me like it comes from this deep deep spiritual place that goes that's truth right that's real you went out of your way to help support me when you really had nothing to gain here right you know, right. I mean, that's there's an act of selflessness. There's, there's, and there's all kinds of ways. And there's, you know, I'm learning with with my kids. I'm doing the five love languages to oh. help my oh, children. That's awesome. Right. And yeah. uh, um, because my oldest daughter, especially, she's getting to that age where I'm I'm realizing that the way that I naturally give love, it it is her two lowest ways of receiving love. Ooh, ooh, do tell. What's yours and what's hers? So I am, oh God, I'm going to have to look them up. Um, (laughs) There's quality um, time, words of affirmation, gifts. So I am a physical touch. Physical touch. Um, My number one way of giving is physical touch. Like, and Maggie, my daughter will say like, Mommy will always snuggle, right? Like I will always snuggle, you know. So but physical, when you're not in the room, is like get off me, mom. <laughs> right. So physical touch is my number one of the of my way of giving and right. receiving. That one goes both ways for me. Um, receiving gifts is one of the ways I receive love. Mm-hmm. I think that's a taught thing from a child. Um, and and uh, words of affirmation is a way that I give love. Right. Um, I'm sorry. Words of affirmation is a way that my daughter receives love. Number one. Yeah. And one of the things I realized, so we, she, she and I did this quiz together and which you can find it online friends. If you're looking for it, um, just Google five love languages, children, and it'll come up. Um, 
my daughter's number one is words of affirmation and then quality time is number two. Right. And I'm physical touch and receiving gifts. Right. And, and those are, I mean, those are like zero on her scale, like zero. Right. And, I, and I'm realizing that, so we were in church, um, for the, so it was the Easter cantata. So I was actually sitting in the pews with her and she had colored this great Lenten thing and whatever and blah, 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 blah. And she shows it to me and I nod my head because we're in church. I don't say anything. And that's my way of saying like, Oh, good job. And I put my arm around her and rubber, rubber arm. And then it, like the words go through my head, Shannon, you have to say something or she won't hear you. Right. Words of affirmation, number one. Mm. And so I turned to her and I said, Maggie, that's really beautiful. Good job. Because even though I did two things that to me signaled that's beautiful, good job. She did not hear that. She did not understand that. Yeah. Now I think that's, I think that the five love languages are a different, like they're, their ways of expressing love, like there are five different ways of expressing wait, love. Wait, hang on a second. Was this a picture of Jesus summoning the Bifrost that you pulled? <laughs> that yes. Was not. But oh, by the way, my she Maggie did that. She did that last. She did that last week, and it's That's this awesome. picture of Jesus on the mountain, and there's this sun, and there's this rainbow line coming down from the sun, and Brian doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm like by. I know frost. I don't know what bifrost is. Oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. So, bifrost <laughs> is the. It's a rainbow tunnel that um is is North Nor- Norse mythology. Okay. Yeah. So it's the bifrost. By right. Thor's. It looks like a, it's a rainbow, but it's actually a, a a method of transportation from planet to planet or galaxy right. to galaxy. Right. So. so Anyway, thing beam me up, Scotty. Is the <laughs> but it's this like rainbow thing, and it's right. Jesus standing there at the ascension, and <laughs> it's like my daughter's summoning the Bifrost. For that nice. that made me laugh so hard when I saw that this morning. <laughs> yeah. you want words? Please tell her. I thought that was awesome, and I laughed really hard. I, Not because it was funny, but because it was it was just great. So, I mean, all of this is to say, like, this is children, this is relate friendship relationships, this is partnership relationships. This is a great resource, by the way. I recommend it to all right. kinds of people. But it's, it's, it's your, um, that deep definition of love is one thing. This is, this is a tool to help you express what you really mean. That's right. Like, what we've been talking about this episode is, like, what we really mean. Yeah, and right. and that's where we, you know, I'm going to use this phrase that I hate, but like, that's where you need to get right with God. And then you can do these five love languages <laughs> or whatever, you know, there you um, go. That's it's right. just a translation tool for that. For that yeah. Topic. I think that was very helpful and appropriate and terrific analogy. So I think it's time for pass or pour. Let's do a little pass or pour because we, we missed this last week, but we um, did. We did. Um, and we're crunch for time, so let's throw a few at you. We're talking about in the in the context of, of love here. I think uh, so Sweden, from a place of love, probably decided to clear some things up. Apparently, Sweden's famed meatballs aren't Swedish after all. We're going to pass mm-hmm. the on that one. Wait, say it again. They aren't Swedish or they aren't meatballs? <laughs> I well, think we're going to pour this one out. We're going to find out. <laughs> Do it. Okay, so 
So apparently Swedish meatballs aren't Swedish after all. They are they originated the recipe from Turkey. Um Hmm. As uh, and this was a recipe that um, King Charles of the the twelfth of Sweden brought home from Turkey in the early eighteenth century. So they basically, you know, brought the recipe, made the meatballs, and suddenly they were named for it. Swedish meatballs. Anyone who's look at that, you know, been to a potluck. Yeah, been to a potluck or an IKEA has. Yeah, experience these wonderful meatballs, and they finally fessed up after all this time. The question do I have: Do you think Sweden owes Turkey some reparations <laughs> for the meatballs? Wow. Well, I do know that in in Turkish, meatballs are called kofte, K O F T E. So they could maybe change the name. Could 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 be. I'm I'm surprised Turkey's not making more of a fuss about this. Yeah, right. They've got other things to worry about right okay, now. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm surprised that anybody cares about this. <laughs> oh no, this is huge. Are you kidding me? Like, think no, about it. How how many how now how many ethnic foods really aren't from? Well, did the anybody really assume they were? I mean, yes. Chinese food is not from China, and pizza is not from Italy, and like, no. <laughs> you saying I've been duped all this time mm, there it is Win I think world. you don't question authority enough that's what I think well oh. you know what that's so oh. true <laughs> oh. that is so true <laughs> uh, we mentioned Star Wars Day a little bit earlier uh, Heathrow Airport celebrates Star Wars Day with an amazing <gasps> departure board I saw that I saw support it's I'm going to pass because I saw it. But oh, you saw it. And Brian, if y'all don't, don't know what it is, look it up. Let's pass. Let's pass. So, so wait. So, Brian, I got to <laughs> ask, though. So, you're not into the, you know, Avengers movies and all that. Where are you with Star Wars? Oh, I love Star Wars. Okay, all right. All right. Love where does your geekdom lie? Star like, Wars. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I love Battlestar Galactica. I have never all seen right. anything Star Trek. Never once of anything. <gasps> Dude, man, you walk in the line. Seriously. I know. I'm not, I, no, I'm okay, okay with that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not no. putting it out there. I lost Star Trek and baseball in the divorce, and I'm okay. Ah, uh, <laughs> ooh, see, baseball—that—that's—that's that's my sweet right. spot. So I don't know if this is an act of love or what, but a New Jersey ice cream company unveils the ham flavor of ice cream. Nope. Mm. No. We can. I think we got enough right there. I, I can pass <laughs> and pass. Pass and pass. All right. Um, uh, this one, hint, hint. I, I want to talk about this because I, you know, uh-huh. there's so many, there's so many issues with this. But construction begins on Jeff Bezos's forty-two million dollar, ten thousand year clock. Oh my! Stop! I thought you were going to say ten thousand square foot house, something that would no. cost forty-two million. And right. I don't, I don't even understand those words put together. So here we go. So we pour it now. <laughs> pour it. Um, so basically, he's hollowing out a mountain. Okay. okay. I kid you not. This is on the verge. Uh, you can look it up. So it's a 10,000-year clock, a project that Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos invested $42 million, um, along with the hollowed-out mountain in Texas, and he intends to use that for a spaceport, with the goal of building a, male- a mechanical clock that will run for 10,000 years. Okay. According to the website, um, visitors, in theory, will be able to visit this clock. Um, it's it's going to be a hike. 
and the nearest airport is hours away and then you got to take a foot trail 2000 feet up um but so you have time to plan for it but the whole premise of this idea is that um because it will run accurately for 10,000 years because as you know unless it's an atomic clock you know clocks will lose time they'll get out right. of sync all this right. kind of stuff so apparently this is supposed to be um kind of like an artifact that people in the future thousands of years from now can really accurately then look back in time and measure measure when really things happen so he's investing in this so many questions one um does this man have too much money and not enough time or too much yes. time and too much money? Um, you know, and, and listen, granted, I, I love my Amazon prime. I ain't gonna give it up. But um, one of the things he was also quoted with saying, and this can kind of tie back into how do we show love to the world is he basically said, I've got all this extra money. The only thing left I could do with it is like get into space exploration. So he's also starting a you know, like a consumer, or consumer you could thing. help end world hunger, or you or education could build, you know, uh, yeah. sanitary, blah blah blah, or roads, or so. buy all the weapons from everyone and melt them down into nothing, or let's you know give the world internet in the most remote places so they can buy Amazon products. Like who the hell cares? But anything but that. <laughs> and, and is is this his attempt at sort of immortality immortality and, and will they will they one day instead of it being the common era it will be the bezos era because no. we're adjusting our calendar off this you know jeff bezos amazon and you know, i mean clock. he's not behind the science behind it right, right like right, no. exactly. the money behind it so there's that thing out there that uh, teachers teach our children which it's teacher appreciation day so shout out to teachers yeah um, teachers but you know they th at least they teach my kids this in school like before you speak ask yourself is it true is it necessary is it kind Right. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I forget that daily. Billionaires need that when they do a project. Oh yes. Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is it kind? Now, now is without. What it may be true, but I don't think it's necessary or kind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does it fall under? And here's me playing devil's advocate now. Don't stop it. I'm a hundred percent with you on this, but but I mean, there's so much that falls under the perhaps artistic realm that one can argue isn't necessary, but at the same time, it's essential for us as a culture and survival and speaks to who we are. Oh, you're is bringing it back full circle. Time, is accurate time essential for survival? Like, Hey man, if I don't get to meetings on time, I mean, come on. But if we all agree that it shifts on the same pace, we're all fine. Like, what listen, does it matter? Ultimately, I agree with you. I can't. Or we just operate on Barbados time and listen, we start 20 minutes late. Listen, we all have our Apple go. phones that tell us what time it is. So, you know, we're good. <laughs> well, the problem is that we're not all using our Amazon phones. So uh, Jeff, Jeff can't let that go. See, that's the thing. He's now going to have his own Amazon time. That's going to be the thing. He's gonna <laughs> be like, the whole world's going to be like, no, we're, we're cruising along at this level. He's like, but the accurate time is, and everybody's going to be like, Sorry, Amazon now has their own time. <laughs> yeah, all right. For, forget the metric system. We need the Amazon system. Amazon system. Yeah. No, come on, guys. There's you, <laughs> like you want to be immortal, be useful in the world. You know. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you, Shannon. Tell us how you really feel from love. <laughs> Where you? Where's the love? <laughs> For this guy, apparently, it's in a mountain in Texas. Exactly. <laughs> apparently. All right. That's all I got. Wrap it up. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll do. Well, thank thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word with us on social media. Chat on one of our, our questions, our topics that we throw out there on Twitter or Facebook. Or if you listen to a great episode, post the link and let your friends tune in. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Please rate us on iTunes. Help other folks find us and let us know how you're enjoying the show. And if you want to take it to the next level and watch our show, you can do that on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to find a Pub Theology gathering in your town, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And thank you once again to our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C, who you'll find at trywink.com slash PT Live. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. tell y'all that I had a meeting yesterday um, with a fan of pub theology who like reached out and was like hey I read your blog and I listen to you on pub theology and awesome nice a drink I was like yeah I'll have a drink (laughs) nice that's very cool (laughs) and I will say that I heard from a listener in Philadelphia this week who said I was listening to your show this week and I thought I got to send them some beer from our local breweries here in the Fishtown area so they can drink them on the show. And I'm like, we would be happy. Sold. We will drink (laughs) them. If you love us, send us beer or other gear. We'll drink it. We'll wear it. We'll wear it.